0: Welcome to the podcast, The Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Deep in the heart of every person is a longing for the presence of God, because deep in the heart of God is a longing to be present with His people. Now we're created, we explored this last week, we're created to enjoy the presence of God, we're created to be in the presence of God, because we're created in the image of God and God, and over the course of this presence series, we're exploring some of the ways in which we can know the presence of God in a deeper and a rich, richer way. And this morning, I'm going to look at a subject that probably we don't talk about too much, but actually is a really important subject. It's a really important part of our discipleship. And it's morning. How satisfied are you with your spiritual life? How satisfied are you with your journey with Jesus? If you were just to stop right now and think about your spiritual journey, your spiritual life, how satisfied are you? You know, is there that great joy of walking with Jesus every day in your home, at your work, in your thoughts, when you're watching television In every part is God with you? Are you satisfied? Do you find joy, excitement about being in the presence of God? Not just, yeah, you know what, I did my reading today or prayed to God at some point during the day, but that richness, that one, maybe little yeah. moments, you know, where you're just so satisfied. How are you today? Are you satisfied with God today? Maybe you're here and you're, you're not a follower of Jesus and you're going, well, I don't even know what you're talking about. You're talking about being satisfied. I don't know. Maybe you're here and you're on the journey. Maybe you're exploring. Maybe you're not quite sure what you think. I encourage you to keep asking the questions. Maybe there's something in your heart that you're just not satisfied with. You've realized that in everything that you do and all your work, there is just a dissatisfaction. There's, there's something that you're longing for. Let me tell you this. Jesus says in John, Jesus walked the earth 2,000 years ago. He had 12 disciples. out, And he writes this, the words of Jesus. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus satisfies your deepest longings i want to ask you today are you satisfied in jesus today are you hungry for his presence in your life if i want you to think about one thing as a big idea as we explore the subject of fasting today i want to say this our depth of satisfaction in god is dependent on the depth of our hunger for joy the light in God is dependent on the depth of our hunger for him. I've got to be honest with you. I love food. Is there anybody else here who loves food? I think that's, it have to be uh, 99%. Most people who have ever lived, why? Because we need it. We need it to live. It, our body tells us if we don't have food, we die. And so our body tells us in different ways if we haven't had food. You know, if I haven't had food for a while, then my body starts talking to me. My stomach just begins, to, particularly a quiet prayer meeting, and all of a sudden your stomach just begins to converse with you and yell and scream. You know, your, your, your body tells you, it begins to talk to you. And then, I don't, listen, I'm just going to share my issues and maybe you can... You know, you can agree or disagree, but I find myself dreaming about food, a meal that I really love. I start dreaming, and when you start dreaming, or you smell something, then you start to salivate. You know, I am Pavlov's dog, right? I, I just, I, I salivate when I think of food. And I, at desperate times, there's been a few occasions where I've actually chewed on my sleeve. i have just but I'm a weird person. I've actually had to chew on my sleeve because I am so, so hungry. You know, when we don't have food, we get hungry and our body yearns and longs for food. Why? Because our body needs food. Because food sustains us. It gives us the nutrients we need. It keeps us alive. Food sustains us. It actually satisfies us there is something about comfort and joy that comes with food. You know that in our mouth, we have anywhere between 2,000 and 8,000 taste buds. And these taste buds regenerate every 10 days, so I'm told. And, uh, and the brain telling us how we are to delight in them, enjoy them, or not. The sweet, the salt, the tasty, the the, one, the texture, the wonderful things, the taste buds are telling us, all these wonderful messages so that we can delight in food. Food is something that satisfies us. And the thing about food, too, is it marks and cultures. You know, different cultures delight in different foods. So you will often hear someone say, like I will say, I'm going out for Chinese or Indian or Italian or Thai. Anyone? I love Thai. Thai is Thai. Anyone else Thai? Thai is my followed by Mexican, I do like, uh, are described by food. But you know, as we look through cultures, not only do they celebrate food, not only do they rejoice in food and find great joy in food, but as you look through cultures in different times and seasons, there is also space within cultures where they actually abstain from food, where they see that fasting is part of their discipleship. It's part of what they do. You know, I lived in London for many years and lived amongst uh, Muslims. And uh, they would celebrate one month of Ramadan every year where they would fast during the day. You know, fasting sits within cultures, it sits within religions, and it sits within has been part of the church for millennia. But I think something has been lost in, in the last hundred or well, probably hundreds of years, to be honest, since Protest, Protestantism, since the Reformation where there was a reaction to probably overzealous monasticism, which celebrated fasting and celebrated which We are part of that stream, kind of rejected, saw fasting as something that was legal, religion, something not to really celebrate too much. And so I think, to be honest, as we... Think about fasting in our church here today, in our evangelical stream that we sit in, Sorry, that we have lost something when it comes to fasting. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian who uh, lived um, during the Second World War, uh, wrote this from his book, The Cost of Discipleship. He says, We claim liberty from all legal consumptions to the proper evangelical use of discipline and asceticism. We thus excuse our self-indulgence and irregularity in prayer, in meditation, and in our bodily life. Dietrich Bonhoeffer is reflecting on what what does it look like to fast. Now, he's not coming up with his own ideas and terms. He's actually using the words of Jesus. The Cost of Discipleship, his book, is a discourse through the Sermon on the Mount, one of the great... Uh, discourses in human history where Jesus stands and gives a new way to live. And we're going to jump, why don't you turn to Matthew chapter 6. Grab your digital device, grab your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. We're going to sit in just three verses today of what Jesus says when it comes to the really awesome, exciting subject of fasting. I trust that by the end of today, you will be excited and energized about not eating food souls and your stomachs uh, to this message. Matthew chapter 6, verses 16. Jesus says this, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father, who sees what is done in secret, Will reward you. I just want to ask two questions today as we reflect on what Jesus tells us. I want to ask that question, address that question. Why should we fast? And then the second one is, how should we fast? Why should we fast? And how should we fast? Firstly, why should we fast? Well, I think it's quite obvious. Firstly, because Jesus told us to, and He expects us to we read here that we are told to fast in fact it's assumed if we are going to follow Jesus that we're actually going to fast you know there are three times in a row in this passage here in Matthew chapter 6 when Jesus says when you he doesn't say if you or you should do or maybe when he says I'm sure you're all excited to hear that when you give then he moves on and he says when you pray And then finally in this discourse, he says, when you fast. Jesus is assuming, he's saying, if there's three things that you're going to do, if you're going to follow me, three disciplines in pursuing after me, you need to give good news. He expects expects us to give, pray, and fast. But it's not like he just tells us to do it and didn't engage it with himself. Jesus fasted himself. In Matthew chapter 4, we read that Jesus fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. In Matthew chapter 4, we read this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by... Guess what? Statement of the century. Radical. He was hungry. No kidding. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every... Jesus fasted and he instructs us to do the same. That's the first reason why we fast. The second reason why we fast is because it reveals the roots of sin in our life. We see that Jesus goes up and he is tempted by the devil, but it's in the place of being fast. He goes after his desire, his most immediate desire. That's why Matthew writes, and he was hungry, and then the devil comes and seeks to tempt him with his desires. You see, when we fast, there are desires that rise up in us. There are things that stir up in us. There are desires that we begin to identify in our life and the idols in our life, the things that I would go to when I'm hungry, the things that I will resort to. Maybe it's food. It might be technology. It might be relationship, whatever it is. These things that, that, that sit in our life, the things that we find pleasure and comfort in, rise to the surface. And the devil understands this and he comes to Jesus and he says, if you want to play on Jesus' pride, Jesus' sense of ability, his sense of control. See, the thing with fasting is, is that we're brought to a place of humility. We are stripped of something that is really key to us, something that is incredibly important. Notes this about fasting and the power of fasting. More than any other disciplines, fasting reveals the things that control us. This is a wonderful benefit to the true disciple who longs to be transformed into the image of Jesus Christ. We cover up what is inside of us with food and the idols of our heart begin to emerge and we feel that the temptation comes and we go, ah, ah, that's an idol. Oh, that's the thing that I know that I would go to. The sins of our heart are revealed. When we fast, the roots of, of sin in our life are revealed. Thirdly, The reason that why we fast is it sharpens our ears and mind to hear and clarity of mind to refer what? To the Word of God. As the the devil comes and tempts Jesus in this state of fasting, Jesus has the clarity of mind and the discipline to be able to respond with God's Word. He comes back and says, Hey, listen, I'm not going to engage you on this lie that you are trying. I'm not going to take that fruit. I'm not going to take that bait but rather i'm going to trust god's word it came to his mind and he was able to speak it out speak it over his life and speak it to the devil you see there is something about fasting that sharpens our ears that sharpens our heart to the voice of god it gives us we turn when our when our hearts are, are for god when we're fasting and saying god i'm not doing this out of religion i i want this for you Our love for him grows, our love for his word grows, and our mind is sharper. You know what I find when when I go through seasons of fasting? My heart and spirit are more attuned to his voice. And God begins to arouse things perhaps that I've forgotten for a long time, things that are deep, the words that he's spoken over me, the visions and the passions that I've once forgotten, or new things that that I believe that God is calling me to. There is something about fasting that sharpens our mind, that feeds our and we see this with Jesus. You know, uh, Jason shared at our vision uh, Friday night, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, the story of how Gateway Orma was planted. In 2011, the church, Gateway Church, it was just Gateway McKenzie at that time, into a church called for a season of fasting. And as they were praying, they felt God lead them and say, we want you to plant a church. And out of that fasting, the church decided that God was leading them to plant Gateway South. Well, Gateway South ended up being Ormo, Gateway Ormo. And it's our Ormo campus in 2012 I way to plant that church. We're now in 2020. I know that back then, in 2011, the church had no idea that we would now be five campuses. That actually we'd be meeting here in the city. But because of God's voice, because he spoke in a season of fasting, the church was obedient to it and God has blessed it. He to me, assured me, comforted me, led me in seasons of fasting. There is great joy in it. There's great blessing. God speaks to us. Our heart is attuned to him. And fourthly, when we fast, it grows our hunger for God, our hunger for him. But our deep joy in God is diminished when we find our hunger satisfied in lesser things. When I was 22 years old, I decided to move out of home. That was very exciting for my parents. I I had a job and I thought that it was time to be responsible. A responsible adult where I could just live and look after myself and, and, and live my own life. So I moved out with two other guys, moved into a house. And I remember just before I moved out, I said, "Mum, I don't know how to cook. You're going to have to help me. And so uh, and so Mum got a home-baked menu, kind of like, Here, just take this book. These are all my recipes. I've taught you a whole bunch. Off you go. You'll be great. And for the first few months, I worked really hard and I tried to do all of these. And it was... It, it was Hard. And it took time. And it wasn't convenient. And so I regressed, and for all of my 20s, I got into a different pattern of life, a different pattern of menu, a different pattern of eating, which my mum would have been shocked with. Let me just share, by, by the end of my bachelor years, this was kind of my menu. You know, my gone pasta. But, but there was a secret ingredient, cheese. cheese. As much cheese as I could. You know, cheese just changes everything. Frozen pizzas were another go-to. Just go to the supermarket, buy a couple of frozen pizzas, and before you stick, if you put cheese on it, it changes everything. You know, every now and again, I would barbecue, but that was a bit of a hassle. So a lot of the time, I just deferred to Cereal. You know, cereal for de- is good. And the thing with cereal is, it's both a main and a dessert, depending on the cereal. Come on, young adults, help me out here. Is anyone with me? That was my life, but there was one go-to. There was one go-to meal that I loved. Very simple, and uh, I, I, I would often eat this. I don't know how this is all going to come out. Here we go. And it was, it was beans on toast. You know, how easy just to toast, you know, and just heat up some baked beans. You know, and just, come on, come on, anyone with me? And just pour, oh dear, how, how good is that? Nice, hot, toasty baked beans, but there had to be one more ingredient. What was that? Melting over, beautiful. I'd be happy to eat that five days a week. Cereal the other and then maybe some pasta. That was my life. And I've got to be honest with you, that did me. You know, I survived. I'm still here today. You know, I could still get about work. I could still live. I could. That it satisfied me. At the end of my bachelor years, I met a few people and one person in particular in a community in London. And she was an incredible cook. And I realized very quickly that I had to marry this woman. <laughs> I realized that... Be- Let me tell you what some of this US, US home style cooking brought me. I was blown away. I met Megan. I started to get invited over with some friends to have clam chowder, chicken pot pie, barbecue pork belly, and, then- and macaroons. I remember... A Thanksgiving Day, I almost died. It was incredible. The turkey was amazing. The vegetables had bacon in them, like vegetables with bacon. It just saved the whole vegetable. There was this stuffing that was just, and then the dessert was was well, the, the pumpkin pie I could go without, to be honest. But the what was it? The the chocolate or was it the No, I've got it here. I've got it written down. The chocolate, I couldn't remember. Chocolate espresso pecan pie. Oh, (laughs) who's feeling hungry? (laughs) Past life. But there was one. I still ask for it every birthday. There was one dessert that stood out amongst the rest. Now, I just loved. It was the triple-tiered carrot cake. Get a look at that. Come on. The thing about this that blew my mind is not only is it triple-tiered, not, not only does it have carrot cake and it's just beautiful and there's texture and taste, but look what it's covered with. It's covered with cheese. I, I, I didn't know that the cheese could be a whole bunch of other fatty things. Just is incredible. You know, I, I thought I was satisfied. With my life. I thought that I could get but this was fine, but then my eyes were opened to something else. <laughs> if you want to come to newcomers later on on. <laughs> I, I want to eat it now. But here's the thing: we are so easily satisfied at times which things that, that we think satisfy us. They don't go deep. They really actually aren't that nutritious. They're easy. They're things that we find actually over the course of our spiritual journey that God has so much for us. That God wants to satisfy us with a hunger that is far deeper than just beans on toast. He wants to give us triple-tiered carrot cake covered in cream cheese. With caramel on it and pecans and coconut flakes. It's so easy to be satisfied with things that don't matter. And it robs us of our hunger for God. It robs us of our delight in Him. It robs us of our desire for Him. John Piper says this. It's a long quote. Stick with me. He says this. Jesus said, Some people hear the word of God. As they go on their way, they are choked with worries and riches and pleasures of this life. In another place he said, the desires for other things enter in and choke the world and it becomes unfruitful. This pleasures of life and the desires for other things, these are gifts of God. They are your basic meat and potatoes and coffee and gardening and reading and decorating and traveling and investing and TV watching and internet surfing and shopping and exercising and collecting and talking. All of them can become deadly substitutes for God. When they become gods themselves, when they become the things that we find our ultimate satisfaction, joy, and meaning in, ultimately diminish us. They rob us. They steal from us. But the reality is in our context in our time where we have so much. Let me tell you, we live in a society of what we need to do is reach across to the fridge and open it up. We don't experience hunger, and if, if the fridge is full, uh, empty, then we can just duck out and get takeaway, or we can get to the shops in an instant, or we can order Uber Eats. We live in a context and a time where everything is at our ever, even the good things. But when we find our deepest satisfaction in those things, rather than our deepest longing for Jesus and his presence in our life, we are ultimately robbed. We lose out. And fasting is a wonderful, ultimately met in Him. Because all the good things in this world will never truly satisfy. They will never truly give you the meaning, the hope, the purpose, and the joy that you long for. Only that is found in God and a relationship with Him. When we fast, when our hungers go deeper, when we push aside the good things of this world to get to God himself, there is a reward. Jesus says in Matthew, says, if you fast, no, he doesn't say if you fast, take that back. When you fast, you will be rewarded. That's the end of the passage. You will be, what is the reward? The reward is him. The reward is him. It is God. When we fast after him, He says that we will find him. We will find the strength and security that is found in knowing God, that we are his children. You know, when we come and fast, when we find a parent who loves them and cares for them, there's a sense of safety, security, and joy that comes from a child being in the presence of their child, of their parent. I see this with Meg's all the time. Megan might be about the house, and she'll just have, when I come home, four kids just hanging off her. She's kind of beating them away. I want to be with her. And then I come in and they just want to jump on me. There is a joy and delight in being with a parent for a child. And in the same way as we fast, we get the reward of being with God. That is all we need. We have a security, a safety, a hope, a purpose, a joy, a delight in being with the God who created That is our blessing. We're blessed when we fast. Not only are we blessed with a reward, We also see breakthrough. We see breakthroughs. And we see this throughout the Bible, where people come and they fast and they pray. This is the promise that we read in Chronicles. He'll intervene when we fast, when we pray, when we cry out to God, when our hearts are turned towards Him, when we have this posture of hunger, of desperation, of humility. God intervenes in powerful ways. He speaks to us in powerful ways. He intervenes into our circumstances, both personally. You know, I've seen in my own life that God has broken in free from things through a season of fasting. There is personal breakthrough when we fast. It might be a sin, a habit, or behavior. It might be your attitude. It might be a healing that you're needing. Maybe you need to be set free from the past. Or maybe you need a vision for the future. Whatever it is, there is a personal breakthrough. You know, as we gather together and we pray for, um, for systems and, and, and large things, you know, powers, government, as we get down on our knees and we fast, there can be time for corporate breakthrough. I believe in this season of fasting, I'm going to talk in a minute, about see breakthroughs in our city that God is going to do a work in our city, that we're going to see more and more people come to faith. We are a city that is in desperate need. This city is in desperate need of Jesus. I mean, it's wonderful that we can gather together in this small little building here on a Sunday morning, but we need a radical breakthrough. And it's not just going to be coming by enjoying beans on toast. It's been coming to the God who gives us something much greater, where we find our hunger and our satisfaction in Him. We need to cry out for our city corporate breakthrough god calls us to fast and when we fast we're changed and our circumstances you in a place right now of desperate need for god are you satisfied with the good things of this world but not satisfied with the presence of god in your life every day it's so easy it's so easy to lose it so how should we fast it's the second question. I'm going to quickly get practical. We read in Matthew, Jesus says, firstly, how we shouldn't fast. We shouldn't fast like the religious leaders. We shouldn't fast to impress others, walk around, kind of saying, I am fasting. Jesus says, don't do that. Don't walk around to impress others. Let me tell you this. Fasting is not a way to salvation. Fasting is a way to the present. That saves you. Don't get into religion. Jesus says, do not fall into the trap of religion. Don't do what? what the the religious leaders do. But when you fast, put oil on your head. What he really meant was gel or hairspray. And he says, take a bath, take a shower. That's what he's saying. He's saying, fast in secret. Don't posture like you're fasting. Just get about on your day as normal. Do it secretly. And there are some things that happen when we fast personally, just really quickly. There are things that we observe. Firstly, when we fast, when we, when we do this personal jokes on these, as you, if you choose to fast, these might be helpful for you. Firstly, when we fast, we go through physical reactions. You know, sometimes we'll experience headaches. Sometimes we'll, uh, we'll experience uh, physical things, which, which means that toxins and addictions and habits are leaving our body. For any of you caffeine drinkers, any coffee addicts, that'll be for you. it happens, it's a prompt to us for confession and repentance. God, just as these toxins are leaving my body, God, will you reveal to me the sins in my life that need to be removed? You'll experience tiredness. When you experience tiredness, rest and enjoy the unforced rhythms of grace that you are invited into. Thank him for his sustaining goodness when you are tired. When you experience hunger pains, that is a trigger to cry out and say, God, I'm more hungry for you than the food on my plate. God, I long for you more. The things in my life I need to eat in profound ways. Whatever it is, use those hunger pains to turn your heart and your attention and your affection and your plea to God. And fourthly, clarity of mind. There's something about fasting that your brain just begins to tick a little bit faster. Sometimes you actually will struggle to sleep because your mind is just so at prayer, med- meditating on His Word, allowing Him to speak to you. Journal, write it down. That's what happens when we fast. That's how we fast personally. There is also corporate fasting. We see it all through, I'm not going to go through it now, but all throughout the the Bible. In the Old Testament, we see corporate fasting. And in the New Testament, we see it too. We see that before we as a church are called, we believe in this season to pray together to corporately fast together, to seek the presence of God, to long for, to, to long after Him, to cry out to Him, to pray for Him, that He may intervene into our circumstances in a new and a fresh way. And so we're encouraging everybody to engage in a tomorrow after the carrot cake. Now, there are different ways in which you can fast. We've been talking about food, and that is the way that Jesus calls us to fast. And I would say that that is the best way to fast. I understand that you understand your own body and there are obviously medical. Jesus calls us is to not eat. So abstaining from food. Keep drinking. I know I read last week that Moses didn't eat or drink for 40 days. That's supernatural, okay? You don't drink for four days, you're dead. So drink water, please. But maybe it's some type, it's something else that brings you comfort and joy that you know that God is calling you to give up, TV, social media, whatever. I'd encourage you to, if you can, engage with the food thing because I actually think that there's something really powerful, deeply powerful about that. But however it is for you and for how long, some of you may be able to. Some of you may engage for a day or so. And we're going to create some... Uh, gatherings where together as a church we're going to gather together corporately to pray in this time of season this season of prayer and fasting And we going to have uh, we're kicking off our weekly prayer meetings on tuesday night six o'clock come before alpha every tuesday we're going to be gathering for prayer for our young adults, we're having a night of prayer and worship. On Wednesday, February the 19th, we're inviting all the young adults to fast, at least for that day, and come to gather together that night for worship and seeking after God. On Sundays here each week, we're going to And finally, we're inviting everybody to register and sign up for a day or a, for a day of fasting so you can jump online to the series part of the website and you can sign up I'm going to be fasting on this day and we'd love to send you messages on the day that you're fasting uh, words of encouragement so if you know the day that you're fast coming weeks uh, there's a there's a board up there that you can put your names down for and we can encourage you along the journey we want to encourage you whatever way we can As we pointed before, we've got a fasting booklet as well which will help you on your journey as you center your heart and your passion on God. How satisfied are you with God? Are you satisfied with your journey right now? Now, are you nourished by Him? Do you delight in Him? Are you feeling enriched by every day walking in the presence of God, seeking after Him? Or is there something in your life right now, uh, have the good things God, me who is in the ladder. And I'm being challenged again to, God, what's the deepest love for me? God, I need to come back to you. I reckon there's a bunch for all of us. And in this season of prayer, in this next 21 days, I encourage you to come back to God afresh. Say, God, I want to be sad. I want to be driven. My desires to be met in you and you alone because you are so much better than the good things of this world. As we land today, it's going to be really practical, and I realize that this has been more of a practical message today, but an important one. In front of you, actually, it was in the, in the chairs in front of you, we received a prayer card. And I don't know if, I don't know if we've handed out uh, pens as well. Oh, that's what's happening now. We're just going to create a moment because here's what I want you to do. I want you just to. Is there a breakthrough that you're wanting to see in your life, in your family's life, in a friend's life? Is there a breakthrough that you're wanting to see in in an aspect of your spiritual journey? Is there a blessing that you want to see in your life? Is there something that you long for? What is the prayer of your heart? going to encourage you we're going to take a few minutes in a moment but before they do that and as they sing over us in fact we're just going to create some time right now for you just to write what is your prayer for this next season what are you hungry for in this next season what are you longing for in this next season